Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. Francis Seaton, and you're listening to What the Actual Fuck. <laughs> Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow? This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTAF, a This Country podcast. Now, first, he's the man who also looked was looking forward to the demise of CFAX, but not because of the graphics and the load times, but because he didn't have porn. It's Neil. <laughs> How true was that? The blocky porn images. Yeah. I wanted it. Page 301, I think. Well, 302 was football scores, I think, if I can remember correctly. I can't remember. I can, really can't remember. I knew, I knew you could play weird games on there. Do you remember the weird games? I don't. Like Honey Bee or whatever it was called. Oh, my God. Yes, I do. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe you've done that to me. Oh, my God. Honey Bee. Yeah. Sorry. We're, we're, sorry. We're we have, in there. Right, we have a guest. Right down the rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our guest this episode, you will know from his many appearances on your screens, be it the hipster voiceover producer and friend of Clem Fandango in The Toast of London as, and as Kit Marlowe in the Ben Elton Shakespeare sitcom Upstart Crow. And, of course, with many more film and TV roles, he is here to chat about his love of this country, knitted gifts, and is the owner of the best moustache on TV since Tom Selleck. It's Tim Downey. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, fantastic. Easy, easy everyone. Yeah. <laughs> the crowd are literally going wild. <laughs> so how are you, sir? You good? Yeah, very good. Very good, thanks. How are you guys? We're, we're doing okay. Very well, thank we're doing you, okay. Tim. As, we, well. as we are recording this... Um, the special was released today, so we've we've watched it. We won't d- discuss it because we don't want to ruin it for Tim because Tim hasn't seen it yet. So don't ruin it. I'm not going to yes, say. Don't. I'm, I'm saving it up. We're going to watch it straight after this, which the timing is terrible. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go talk about the country, and now I'm going to go and watch it afterwards when I should have done. It's it's a it's a it's a mess. But it's fine now. How did you discover this country originally? random really randomly like i just saw an ad i think it was on bbc2 just a random uh, okay this looks interesting and and the thing that got me is i grew up in a village i'm from a tiny little village and i saw that and i saw that kind of 
mundanity of just waiting at bus stops. Like when Curtin waits at a bus stop and he says, watch this, watch this, and stops a bus for no reason. <laughs> yeah. That is exactly what we did when I was growing up. And I think that from that moment of going, that's exact. that's me. That's the literally taken living in a village and being able to do absolutely fuck all on a daily basis is, is basically, and I was, and I was instantly hooked and intrigued. And I thought, yeah, this is, I'm gonna, I'll, this is, this is it. I'm watching this. This is going to be my, my in. And so what, then you went back and watched series one, Tim, was it after seeing that episode? Cause that, that, that episode was series two. Did you go back yeah, and then rediscover yeah. it all and, and binge watch it, I suppose? Yeah, basically, absolutely binge watched it. Um, I was just it, it just, it was so beautifully observed. And there was such kind of poetry in the mundane. And it was, it, yeah, it was, it was a real surprise for something that good to have, to, for me not to have seen it on the first go around but then like the office you know the office was mm. wasn't that wasn't until like the second go around and when it was on the repeats and suddenly everyone went oh my god this is amazing mm. and it was the same same for this just going this is absolutely exceptionally well performed beautifully written the characterizations are exceptional and you just go this is, this is great like you, it's one of those rare comedies where you will sit back and go i could just watch this again and again yeah it will just it will never tire you can just watch it and find new little bits and you know, the wonders of Lens Garage, you know, all mm. those kind of things. Mm. So yeah, are, are you a fan of the mockumentary style then, Tim? I do like it. When it's done well, and I think it's been overdone, or it had been overdone, it's not so much that now. Um, when it's done well, when it's done like The Office or like this country, then it is, it's brilliant. It's just absolutely brilliant. But it has to be subtle and it has to be performed um, to a real kind of, standard and i think only, it's only when you know your character as well as they do that you can you can do that you can kind of play around with the form and maybe a, bit, a little bit of impro here or there and little things like that and comfortable with the other person who knows their character as well so it's a real art in it in itself and to get it right is yeah is, is a rare is a rare beauty mm. so so when you discover something like that it or when a show like that comes on and is a bit of a sleeper hit to start with is there a buzz around the acting community of, have you seen this? Have you seen this show? Have you seen, is it something that sort of the ripples start going out from like different people when they've seen the show? Yeah, very definitely. Very definitely. You'll wander into work and someone will, and someone will mention it going, Oh really? What? What's that? No, no, I don't know of it. I've heard of it. Cause you kind of, you hear of all the kind of other, you know, bits and pieces and then suddenly you go, all right, well, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give it a I'll give it a whirl, and the mm. hope was for me was it set in a village, and I thought it, no one's actually talked about just being in a country village. Usually, it's like you know an, an estate in a city, but not just being in somewhere that people kind of see other people see as beautiful. Like you kind of go, oh, you live in a village, it's beautiful. You've got rolling fields and countryside and all of that, but you don't realise how fucking boring it is. <laughs> there is nothing to do. You will do kind of you know ridiculous stupid things you know like i can remember going to the local phone box i mean this is back in the day now when the phone box was the place to hang out you'd go to the local phone box and you would you'd, you'd ring someone and you'd say hello is, uh, is mr wall there and obviously the guy would go no and it was mrs wall there no well is you know are there any walls there at all and the guy would say no there's no walls here and go well how does your how does your house stand up <laughs> 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 
And that that was an evening, just kind of hanging around and worried that the BT engineer would come and then arrest you. But uh, <laughs> it was, yeah, finding those little those those things which they did just brilliantly, which yeah, just had me straight away. So we're gonna we will talk a little bit more about this country, but let's talk a little bit about yourself. Um, how, how long have you been an actor now? Um, I oh god, how old am I now? Jesus, about twenty twenty years. About that, right. about twenty years, twenty years. Does it feel like twenty years? Every, I, I feel every single hour of it. <laughs> heavy on the shoulder. Heavy, heavy on the shoulder. As <laughs> right. Uh, no, you know what? It's actually it, it zipped by, which is quite terrifying in the sense of going twenty years has just kind of disappeared. I remember being ten and kind of thinking someone who's twenty was was just was you know obviously near death. Yeah. Whereas now you kind of roll that off and go, oh, 20 years. Oh, 20 years in the business. Right. <laughs> so what got you into the business then, Tim? I was absolutely shit at everything else. Um, I think that's probably, I don't know, yeah, I think I could definitely say that. I was crap at everything else. Um, I was the I was the fat kid at school. So you often use a lot of comedy in order to kind of fight against that or mm. getting just, just beaten up on a daily basis. So I think it was I think it was that, and I was a little I was I was a little bit precocious as well, which is never a good mix, being uh, vastly overweight and precocious. But you know, you make it, you make it work, and um, yeah. So I enjoyed I enjoyed comedy. My dad was a great uh, comedy fan. All the Ealing comedies, comedies, the Gainsborough comedies. Uh, so yeah, all of that. So I, it just kind of bled in, and all those kind of things kind of bubbled and brewed together and suddenly you kind of go yeah this is this is good this kind of entertaining of things and listening to different comedy and then trying it out on the school playground which is the funny thing with being an upstart crow is you realize that most of your lines that you would say like whenever you look at a, a map and say god it's a barren featureless desert out there <laughs> you forget that oh yeah that's that's that guy that's sitting over there that's his line it's nothing to do with me even though you go yeah i did that no i didn't do that that's nothing, i didn't do that at all <laughs> but um so that's it. Playground, playground, kind of japes, is kind of my was my way in, I guess. So, what was your very first role then of acting? I'm not talking professionally, but when you first thought this is what I want to try, what did you do? Uh, my very my very first role. I went to drama school. The first role out of drama school was in a kids series called Out of Tune, which was about a choir that can't sing. Hilarious. Again, set in the village. Set in the village. There you go. I like to think they drew a lot of inspiration from from this particular from this particular city. There was a vicar, you know, um, and it had it had now looking back, it had a ridiculous class. It had, it had James Corden in it. Wow. It was his, his kind of first proper first thing that he did, uh, playing a punk uh, <laughs> in full makeup. People can find it. It's uh, it's a sight to behold. Let me tell you. But that was my first thing. That um, that was on TV and never done TV and kind of learnt sort of stuff through through doing it on the on the job. But that was good because it got to come kind of stretch stretch things out and test things. Because it's kids TV, you can kind of play around with it and be a bit bigger and be a bit sillier and just see how it. You can kind of stretch the form a bit because mm. kids are going to like it. Yeah, the sillier you are. So yeah, that was the first first sort of in. Uh, and I thought, okay, yeah, this is this is good. You know, I can. 
hopefully I can I can do this. Right. I've done it once. Maybe I can do it again. Yeah. So were you were you looking at just becoming like a, a character actor, or did you have like like aspirations to be a movie star or a TV star, or was it just to be a, a, a working actor? To be honest with you, I think I think I think Peter Cushing said it. You know, if, if and now at Guinness, you know, if you're working, then you're successful. And I think that's that's truer today than I think that it's ever been. Mm. So I think as long as I am doing what I love and uh, doing it as often as is, as people will let me, um, then that then that's success then that's successful. You know, I was influenced by uh, you know De Niro and Scorsese and all those kind of things, and you know, people like Cronenberg and things like that. Of wanting to go and do films and all that kind of stuff, um, which you know, which, which I have done, will continue to do so, and that. So I think it's just the you know it's the work. It's just being able to work and tell stories. I know it sounds ridiculously wanky, but it's just mm. it's being able to tell stories and hopefully tell them well. That's that's the absolute enjoyment. That's why you kind of get up. You get up in the morning to go and tell a story. There's nothing better than kind of sitting down and going, "Let me tell you what happened to me today." Yeah, and there's nothing better. So. Yeah. Do you so you feel like that with TV and theatre? Is it, it regardless of the medium that you're doing it in? Yeah, regardless. Even you know, radio as well. I adore radio. Kind of grew again. Grew up with my with Hancock and Round the Horn and all these kind of goon show. So a lot, a lot of radio as well. But yeah, any medium, any medium where it's storytelling and it's a yarn that you can kind of spin. Uh, yeah, be it theatre, TV, film, radio, podcast. Mm. Yes. standing on a street corner, cats, all of it, all of it. You know. I'm very happy doing any of that. Right. Now, one reason that I'm thrilled to talk to you, and it was mentioned in the intro, is Toast of London, because I think I've watched that series now on whichever it is, Netflix or whatever, at least ten times but over and over again. How did you How did you get the, uh, the part of Danny Bear in uh, Toast of London? Uh, again, it was, just, it was just a casting uh, that kind of popped up. And I can remember reading the script going, fucking hell, this is, this is really good. Like, this is, it's one of, again, one of those rare things where you kind of look at something and go, you know, I, I would watch this anyway. Mm. This is just, this really good. This is my kind of humor. It's, it's ridiculous and stupid, yet it kind of has a grounding to it. It's kind of, oh, it's what we do really well. That kind of crazy Father Ted-like or yeah. Python. Like those kind of, like, absurd absurd comedies that we do really well. And that really kind of went boing is, is something really good. So I really wanted to do it. Um, so yeah, had a couple of, couple of castings, I got a recall for it. Uh, and then we did, and then we did a pilot that we, that may or may not have even worked. It was up against some really good stuff. Um, and I think at one point it wasn't even going to get made. I think that's what was happening. And it's kind of by just kind of a haphazard way. They kind of went, Oh, okay, let's, Let's do that. That that was the other one that seemed to be quite popular. So let's uh, so let's do that. And that's kind of how it how it began, I guess. So when you go in for the audition of that, it, it, do you are you allowed mm. to bring anything to it, or is it all on the paper, sort of the character and and what you have to do, and is it already there for you to do, or is it your interpretation? It's a little from column A, a little from column B. It's kind of all there, and it's just your interpretation of of that um, and how and how you do it. And I think I was just kind of so kind of, the language is so kind of ridiculous. What, what we're watching is so ridiculous uh, as Danny and Clem. Mm. You've kind of got to let it play itself. And so the comedy comes from us just being dicks and just sitting there 
and just watching it happen and doing nothing about it at all. Just giving him a little bit, sitting back and going, just, what a dick. Yeah. Um, I think that's its, that's its kind of, yeah, it's, it's brilliant of what Matt and Arthur created was just that kind of playground where you're the kids that kind of sit on the edge, kind of making the bullets for others to fire, kind of throwing sticks <laughs> and kind of lit, lit bits of paper into into an arena, going yeah, yeah, deal with that, and then just walking off, and yeah. blaming it on someone else. You know, it was yeah, it was great. So yeah, you do bring you bring your own little bits and pieces, and then you kind of kind of shave the bits off that you don't need, and kind of hopefully, uh, you know, create something. Mm. On a show on a show like Toast, though, how long sort of rehearsal period did you get with the cast? Uh, almost none. We would get probably uh, ooh, 10, 10, 10, 15 minutes if you were wow. lucky on wow. the day. Um, that would and that would pretty much be it, and which is usually fine. But then when you're faced with something like the German porn, ger- gay German voiceover porn, right? Yeah, it's literally the hardest thing in the world because you're sitting there going, "This is absolutely ridiculous." <laughs> two men sit no further than about two inches apart just aggressively grunting in each other's faces. <laughs> and all you... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's great, Steve. Yeah. There's just a little bit more there, please. <laughs> and, you, and it sends you insane. You're in a dark room. You don't see daylight. I mean, we, 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 those sequences we film probably takes about, a, about 10 days to film, but you don't see daylight for that. So by mm. the end of it, you're just like sort of deep-sea anglerfish. You're just angry yeah. and confused <laughs> about what on earth is... And then you're presented with that at the end of the day. And you think, no, I'm not. I can't do this. Can't do this. Ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so is is Matt Berry uh, an easy person to work with? Is there a lot of improvisation, or is it basically what's on the page? It's basically what's on the page. Um, Matt's brilliant to work with. We're both from rough. We're both from the same area. We're both Bedfordshire lads. So we do. Uh, kind of, kind of our little idiosyncrasies and things like that. Like I'm a Luton Town fan. His dad's a Luton Town fan. You get that out of the way nice and quickly. Yeah. You know, you kind of go, you support shit team. Great. Me too. <laughs> Done. Fine. Okay. You obviously hate life. It's not a problem. That's great. We can. Um, and uh, but it's it is quite it is quite tightly scripted. Um, but if there ever comes a point where you kind of think, ah, this it's not quite working. Then Arthur was there quite a lot, and then they would confer, and you would just kind of realise that you were sitting sitting at the feet of two kind of comedy geniuses. And I don't use that, I, you know, I don't use that a lot. But they really were like, you know, these, this is, you know, this is Arthur wrote Father Ted, for fuck's yeah. sake, and which is just a work of utter genius. Yeah, and to see him just the way his mind works, he's going. Well, you know, why don't you just why don't you just walk out and then come back in dressed as a jockey? And you go, yeah, that's brilliant. I don't get it, don't understand, but it's it's hilarious. Yeah, absolutely hilarious, and it works, and it just works in within that world. And you think how that how that works, I don't know, but um, yeah, when it when it's running on on all cylinders, it's yeah, it's great. So yeah, it's it's not it's not improved, but it's it's kind of it's kind of managed. Yeah, did you and, um, did you and uh, Clem yeah. Fandango get to have any input in your in your wardrobe in your costumes? Because they seem to get more and more outlandish as the series, well, both all the series went on. Yeah, so we would how far will you go? And we'll just show us what you want, and we'll just either say yes or no. 
And we just we just never said no because when you look at Matt's little face, and he was so excited when he's kind of cutting the nipples off your t-shirt, <laughs> then you kind of go, "All right, we'll go, we'll go with this. That's that's fine, God. That's that's fine, you know." And when he was doing the sex change bit, he just said, "You know, can I just draw on you?" I was like, "Yeah, that's that's fine. Let's do these arrows. Is that okay?" And he go, "Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Just do it. Just do it. You know." And because uh, it's funny, and you go, you go with the funny, and that's the thing. You go with the funny, and if it's funny, you go with that. Absolutely. And is that the same sort of principle filming something like Upstart Crow as well? Is is it very similar in the way it's filmed, or was there more rehearsal time? And yeah, it's a lot more rehearsal time because we do it in front of a studio audience. Uh, we get three days rehearsal because we rehearse it like a play. Mm. So you will, you will get your script for the for the week you will then break it up into its component themes you will then um like like a troop of actors in a shakespearean play you will kind of plot it all out you will kind of maneuver it around because it's you know there's three main sets for upstart and there are three main areas you know stratford london and the players the globe um and you'll just kind of map through it you might and you'll and you'll just kind of play around with the script um, ben, if he's there, may suggest different things, bits that we can move around or change, or if a gag isn't working, then we'll go back, rework it, bring it back, and we'll kind of mix it all back in. Um, but again, it's, it's, you know, with that, it's all about the dialogue. The dialogue is mm. so beautifully written and fucking difficult to learn. Mm. That, um, that it's, it's, it's a joy to do and a joy to watch, but it's like a little ballet. Like, some of those scenes are 15 pages long. Right. So... It is like a little battle. You kind of have to watch the the beats and the measures of everyone else around and how they all kind of fall into each other and the, the maneuvering of a joke. The joke may be like, okay, the joke is here, so it has to be ba bum ba bum ba bum and hit this, but then there's another one that comes off here. I mean, it's a quite a technical little endeavor mm. um, to do it and a very different thing, whereas, you know, Toast is quite absurd and silly. This is This is absurd and silly, but it's far more within the language. It's a lot more flowery and a lot more kind of... Uh, detailed in that in that respect so is it also a lot more stressful to to film upstart crow because it's in front of a live studio audience or is it more fun yeah, it's fucking or terrifying. It, right it's terrifying oh no it's fucking terrifying fucking terrifying me and mark Heath would often stand backstage just going this is fucking terrifying it doesn't get you know we've done 20 of these now and it doesn't get any fucking because you feel it's like a play right well, come on you're dressed you know in in your rough and it feels like you're about to do a play. There's an audience right there, and you kind of go, "Oh my god, what if I if I fuck up on this?" Gee, oh god, here we go. But no, it's telly. It's it's absolutely fine. And in fact, they want you. Like it's fun to see David Mitchell dressed like Shakespeare, looking like a stamp, dressed like Shakespeare. <laughs> like, that's that. Serious. That's exactly what people. It's exactly what people want. You know, they want you to go, oh, I didn't I balls that up. Shit. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> you know, and you forget that, and you go, "Oh right, yes, actually, this is just telly, and we can do it again, and we can do this." And then it becomes very, you know, very enjoyable. But it's great just to sit back and watch everyone else because everybody else is just insanely good. Yeah. And you've mm. got, you know, you've got uh, Lisa Tarbuck, who's just brilliant. Gemma, Rob. I mean, the list, you know, the list goes on. Stephen and Dominic. I mean, everyone, everyone is just awesome and just pitch perfect in that. So it's, it's a great, great thing to watch. Is, is something like corpsing, like you said, does that happen a lot then in front of the live studio audience? And who's the yeah. worst? It can do. Lisa is absolutely hands down the worst, and she'll tell you that herself. She just 
She cannot. She can't help herself. It's mm. as simple. It's as simple as that. She will find anything and everything funny, um, and just the most ridiculous, absurd things funny. But that kind of just it just adds to it. She brings such a vitality to it that it's it, it's just wonderful. I mean, you know, she's like a force of nature. She's like mm. having you know the wind in your company. <laughs> you know, she, it's just that kind of power that kind of is brought in, and it's uh, yeah, it's awesome. But if you're in the middle of a 15-page scene and she does that, you go, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Oh, God, you're going to get out. Oh, I forgot the line. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, no, it's great. It's great. So, so the, just slightly going back to Toast again, do you think we'll ever see yeah. any more? Or do you think it's, so. it's finished now? I don't know. I mean, I've heard, I've probably heard rumours as much as you've heard rumours about all sorts of, things that may or may not happen. Um, I don't know. It could be one of these things that kind of, you know, in 10 years' time, suddenly suddenly toast in 10 years and he's been living in a bin in LA for <laughs> the last 10 years. Who knows? Who knows? I have no idea. I mean, I would never say never. No. Um, it would be, be great fun to do. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. I'm, I'm ever hopeful uh, of uh, seeing uh, more, more gay porn. <laughs> so, well, go, so talking about this country and the mockumentary style is that something you'd like to perform in yourself would you like to have a go at that style of comedy yeah yeah absolutely i mean i i, I touched on it very early on in, in my career when i did um a little kind of mini series for uh comedy box which was called the real brian blessed which was about um the real Brian Blessed, whose uh, life was taken over um, by someone he met in a timber merchant who then became Brian Blessed as we know him. But the real Brian Blessed uh, is now living somewhere, you know, just on the outskirts of London, just trying to make a living. Um, so, and that was kind of like a mockumentary thing of him trying, little kind of 10 minute things of him trying to get back into the business and not mm. being able to, to do it. It was great. And that was great fun, but I'd love to do more, love to do more. But uh, yeah, that was that was good. Very odd. It was good fun. <laughs> <laughs> now, you you were in uh, uh, one of the Transformers movies. Yes. Uh, was it the the last, the last night? The last night. Something that yeah. size. Yeah. When you're going from something that's um, quite uh, probably quite cheap, like toast to make, in in yeah. regards to something like that sort of movie, what was the experience like in that? It was absurd. It was right. absolutely absurd in as much. I remember going for the casting and Michael Bay, Michael Bay was there wearing a Transformers hat. Right. And he was there. And uh, it was good. You know, we kind, of, we kind of got on and kind of like, uh, one of the things they asked is, can you ride a horse? And I said, yeah, 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 yeah I, I can ride a horse. I'm from the country and I can. I can genuinely, I can ride a horse. I can get on a horse and I can kind of make, make the thing move. Yeah. So we get closer, we get closer to filming. And, uh, and then they ring up and they say, obviously, Michael's very excited that you're going to be riding this horse. Like, okay. Okay, <laughs> good. And, and uh, he said, so obviously for the polo sequences, whoa, 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 whoa. I can ride a horse. No, I can ride a horse. Well, if you can ride a horse, we thought you could play polo. It's not, not football. It's not like <laughs> I can walk. I can ride. It's not very different. Have you seen polo? Fucking aggressive. Yeah. So they said, okay, well, look, Michael really wants you to, to be on to be on the horse so they took me off to this uh stables for a, i think it was like a two-week intensive course they flew over this polo playing champion from argentina to teach me how to look like i could play polo wow which was which was terrifying like 
absolutely terrifying. Although I did train on the Lloyd's Black Horse from the adverts, which was thrilling to me. Mm, so wow. you would my I mean, yeah, great. Everyone, Celebrity yeah, horse. Like Liam yeah, me and Liam Neeson, we are very much akin to horses we worked with before. You know, this is this is great. And um, uh, so we do that. Okay, I'm getting quite confident in this. So, yeah, so it comes to the day, and they literally have every single piece of equipment you can possibly think of. They have drones. They have a Mercedes with a crane arm. They have an entire grandstand of people. You know, when you see the movie, you never see. Grandstand of people. They have the Oxford and Cambridge polo teams. And me, who've been doing it for two weeks. <laughs> You kind, of, you kind of walk up and kind of go, okay, well, I hope this is going to be all right. And then, you know, a runner comes over and says, get on the horse. Michael, what do you want the horse? Get on the horse. Yeah, all right, I'll get, I'll get on the horse. Then. So we get on the horse. And Michael comes over and he says, okay, okay this, is what I, this is what I want you to do, okay? You're going to go right out over there, fast, all the way, fast, all the way around, right around there, all the way around, really fucking fast, okay? There's a drone, there's a car. You're going to be following you, okay? You're playing, you're playing polo. It's really fast, all the way around. Hug hug the grandstand, okay? Meanwhile, the girl is going to come down here. She's going to fall off the horse. The horse is going to bolt. The horse is then going to come back. She's then going to get back on the horse. You're going to come in, and you better be funny, okay? <laughs> Go. <laughs> Within like 10 seconds of just literally going, I've, I've had a tea and a biscuit. I, I I'm going 30 miles an hour down the course with a load of guys going, this is absolute japes, yeah? This is absolutely hilarious. Going, don't bump me. Don't bump me. I'm a beginner. Don't bump me. Please, my God. Oh, what's the fucking line? Oh dear God, there's a drone! Oh my God, I don't. Why is this horse doing what it's? It was an. It was. It was. It was insane. And then you just. I just went. Oh, oh yes, that's the line. That's the line. Come in. I said the line. Oh God, I'm not dead. This is good. I haven't killed innocents. Good. Yeah. Good. And then he comes over. He goes, Okay, yeah, yeah. You're you're funny. You're a funny guy. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Oh, can I get down? No, we're doing it. Again. Again, go and then he smacks the horse and we're off we're off again and it was terrifying oh, absolutely terrifying with that kind of scale of production to go and do that it's an experience you should have got an, you should have got an oscar an for that experience. you should have got an oscar for that I bloody you should have got a <laughs> you should have at least been able to keep the horse at least <laughs> what was uh, tim what sort of um techniques do you use then when you're in a situation like that and you've got to remember what you're doing you know, for the performance, because uh, uh, at the end of the day, you've still got to deliver that performance. Oh, there's literally no technique. It's literally, it's it's what it's. Uh, I felt like you know that ends. I think well, was it the end scene of Die Hard where they uh, where Rickman's falling off the building and they said we're going to go on three, but they went on two. <laughs> the reaction. Yes, that's how that's how I felt. I felt like they're going. Maybe they're getting some good stuff here because I'm looking. I'm looking terrified. Maybe that's what they're doing. And you just those first couple of times was just about survival and just about as long as I can get to that point and say words that resemble what they've written, then I've won. Right. And then after that, you go, oh, okay, all right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this. Because you know you're not going to do it you know, once or twice. Unless someone dies, then you may only do it once or twice. And if you die, then maybe that's it. <laughs> but you will, you'll do it a couple of times. And by the, you know, a couple of other times after that, some of the other polo guys were sort of like, don't worry about it, you know, we'll do this. And we'll, you, know, you kind of plan little mini things out that you can do. So by the time you've done it like four or five times, maybe six times, you're, you're kind of on it. You go, oh, okay, all right, yep. I remember what I was taught. I remember the training. You don't hold on with your hands as such. It's not like a steering wheel. All those little little bits. Um, and then it becomes, then then the enjoyment comes. Right. And then you go, yeah, this is, this, is, this, is, this is pretty cool. This is ridiculous. This is my job. I'm riding the horse. 
with the Oxford Cambridge Polo jeans and Blenheim Palace. This is ridiculous. What am I doing? There you it go. Sounds like fun to me. You're living the dream, yeah. Like, and then, Tim, obviously you were in Paddington, which uh, was a huge success. Um, was, <laughs> I mean, you obviously didn't have quite the same japes in that one. You were filming that one, I take it. No, but you did, but it really fed in. Like, in my head, I am a, a Victorian Edwardian uh, explorer. That's, that's kind of what I am. I have a moustache, mm. I walk around. I like, I, you know, I like to call myself the bombardier whenever I can. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so in my, in my head, that's, that's the thing. I like to kind of do out, you probably see, like, pardon, good for a podcast, but kind of, you know, part of this room is like done out in tribal masks, which I got in Costa Rica. Because I kind of think, yes, I, I like that. So it tapped into exactly that thing inside me of going, yes, you're going to travel through here, tra- you know, carrying a grandfather clock and a travel piano, um, and up and over hills <laughs> and all those kind of things. And it was just, it was, it was perfect. It was exactly that thing of going, yep, I feel like an explorer, but safely within a net of everyone running around going, would you like a coffee? It's not too hot, is it? <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Fucking you know, <laughs> leopard. And left dead, and your carcass will just rot itself away into uh, into the trees. Mm. Luckily, not that. But would you like a cup of tea? Would you like a sit down? Lovely. Yeah, lovely. That's how mm. you. So was Paddington? Uh, was he motion capture? Or I'm not too sure whether they filmed that one yeah, himself. He, he the was, bears. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The bear. The bears were motion capture. So you you, you kind of get you, as I was kind of creeping through. You kind of get flashes of people in grey jumpsuits covered in lights. Um, which was which was interesting, and they had sort of pat- and they had like bare heads on sticks, which is uh, quite terrifying if you tell a child. Oh yes, they had a head on a stick. <laughs> yeah. they, don't want- they don't want to hear that. I don't know. I don't know quite um, but yeah, so they would plot everything out, and in rehearsals beforehand as well, kind of plotting, um, plotting little bits out with some of the uh, with some of the actors who were from from Complicity actually. So they could get the physicality of what a bear would move like, and then they'd have the animators in as well to kind of map and sort of follow and get an idea. So it was really intricate and fascinating to kind of see how they kind of did all their did all their kind of wizardry and everything. Um, mm. But yeah, yeah, it was. They were stuck in the jungle, bless them, mm. in a Costa Rican jungle, of like thirty degree heat in <laughs> nothing but nylon, <laughs> and a head on a stick. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing says a baby like a head on a stick. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Right, before we carry on, this is the point of the uh, podcast where we're going to have a little bit of a quiz, okay? Oh, uh, this is okay. everyone says that everyone goes, "Oh god." Uh Kerry or Curtain. So I'm going to give you a line of dialogue. You have to tell me whether it was Kerry or Curtain. Okay. Are, are you ready? Here we go. Number I 1. I am ready. Good. Number 1. They're just like two pigs rolling around in their own muck. Was that Kerry or Curtin? Oh, I'm going to go Curtin. Correct. One out of one. Yes. Number two. Yes. Yeah, I can see it's fucking burnt Sherlock. Let me go Curtin again. Well done, sir. Yes, two out of two. Number three. Nice. Number three. Slugs is like Gaston. <laughs> uh... I'm going to uh, I'm going to go Kerry. That was Curtin. That was Curtin unfortunately. Oh, yeah, unlucky. Oh, oh. Well, you know, uh, that's uh, that's two out of three so far. Number 4. The stuff about me being strong and that I don't mind. Uh that's Kerry. 
Well done. Three out of four. Last one. You're yeah. exactly how I remembered. It's so weird. Uh, I don't remember. That's so weird. Kerry. That was Curtin talking to Rob Robinson. Yeah. Okay. But three out of five. That's not bad. That's that's yeah. pretty that's, good. That's not bad at all. Pretty good. It's, it's, a, it's above average. It's I'm above average. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Tim, do you actually have a favourite episode so far that you've seen? I was I was thinking about this earlier, and I think there's the uh, the traction engine fair where it kind of went a little bit folk horror mm. um, is up there. That's probably one of my favourite because I do like a little bit of horror, and I just like that kind of finding it finding a finding a shit in a tent <laughs> and kind of let not get away from it. Oh, it's kind of coming back to it. Oh God, you don't want to look in there. And you know, I remember. There being a traction engine fair in the local village, in the next village, which is about eight miles away. And just your yield kind of be built. You're, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's here. Oh, God. I want to see that little one, the little engine. <laughs> what The little guy. The little engine. Yeah. That's what I want. And, yeah, well, I really had an affinity with that. And the fact that she just doesn't get a chance to watch it. Um, yeah, I really like that. And, there's, and also the episode, I can't remember. I think it's in series one where she becomes an entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. Yes. And she's in, Yeah, which I really, really enjoyed. And I think there's the scene where she's, like, in the tip, sitting on a sofa, and she has a door. And no one can come round. They'll get... No... You've got to knock on the door. Yeah. You've got to knock on the door, and then I come, come in. I love that. It's that absurdity of that, of just that... It's that childlike play thing of going, no, the world is, you have to knock on the door. And then you can come in. Otherwise, you can't. You can't come in. No, doesn't work. Come in through the door. Yeah, brilliant. So I think those those two, possibly the steam fair, maybe just taking it because of that little kind of weird horror element and the kid just running through the forest for no reason. Yeah, little, I like that one. Little red but, riding twat. Little red riding twat. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yes. as we said at the start of the podcast, you haven't actually seen the special yet. Um, where would you like to no. see? The, the show maybe as a series three or in the special, where would you like to see it go? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Just, I mean, to be honest with you, not, not to sound like a kind of like cop out, but kind of more of the same. Yeah. I just, I, I don't want to see it kind of trying to do too much. It, the beauty is in it's, it's heart and it's simplicity and it's character observation. Mm. You know, even someone like Len, like Len, I love, I want to know more of Len. Where, what has he done? What has he done to be where he is? <laughs> no one really talks about it. Oh, no, 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 you know, that kind of... And it's, it's those little those little details that I hope they, they hope they explore more. I almost want a whole episode on one of those peripheral characters, like Mandy. Yeah. Just the whole episode on her would be great. Mm. Something, like, something like that, where I think they, they've, earned, they've earned it now. Like, you, you bought into everything. You love them. And those little characters are so nice, so well drawn. You could get away with just having, not even seeing, you know, Colonel Kerry at all and just focusing on those other little characters. But just one episode, I think that would be really fun to see. That's a great mm-hmm. idea. That yeah, is, maybe that. That's a really good idea. It is. So, Tim, what have you got coming up soon then? What have you got coming um, up next? Coming up next is Outlander. So Ooh. I just did the fourth season of Outlander, which I think starts. In November or something like that, beginning of November, I think, in the States. Yeah, I think it starts then, I think, on Amazon Prime. 
I have no idea when it comes out over here. Um, so yeah, so that'll be that'll be next coming out, and then doing uh, doing a, a, hopefully some pilots as well that we're sort of I'm sort of developing. Um, so that'll be the next thing. So I'm kind of um, co-creating with a director friend of mine and some producers uh, to yeah put together a, a series of our a series of our own <laughs> little series of our own. <laughs> 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 that's, 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 uh, yeah, that's, what, that's what I'm up to at the moment well Bombardier Tim Downey uh, thank you ever so much for uh, spending a bit of time with us and uh, forever now we will call you Bombardier Tim Downey I as think, you well should as, I, as you absolutely should I think it should be, it should be on your business card that that is yeah. how you should be uh, and when you get your Oscar it will be and the, the Oscar for best horse riding in a polo scene Bombardier Tim Downey I think Wonderful, absolutely. I want it all. I want it all over my obituary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, we will say proper goodbye in a second. Uh, just to let everybody know, there are still a couple of tickets left for our second live show. Um, at the moment, we've only got Craig Parkinson, uh, who is going to come and join us on stage to chat about this country. Uh, we've got some very special guests lined up, but we're not going to tell you who they are. You need to come uh, to find you out. You need to come to find out. But uh, go to our website, WTAFpodcast.com. Uh, I think at last count we had eight tickets left, which is uh, great, because it's the end of November, so we've got loads of time to sell those. But get them while you can, and you won't be disappointed with the people that we've got coming. No, absolutely What not. else can you say, Neil? Well, you can find us all on the uh, social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram, just WTAF mm-hmm. will be found. Uh, you can email us at WTAFthiscountry at hotmail.com. Well done. We've also got a Patreon uh, which is patreon.com forward slash WTAF if you can chuck us a couple of quid that'd be wonderful and loads of rewards there and also the website WTAFpodcast.com that's it there you go thank you ever so much Bombardier Tim thank you Tim pleasure it's been an absolute thank pleasure you stand down man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it really has been a pleasure thank you ever so much thank you very much Neil thank you very much Pav uh, it's been uh, another episode a fantastic episode of WTAF so go and get plumbed you fuckers Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal. Phenomenal.